Section four of the Passenger from Calais by Arthur Griffiths. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Irie. Chapter seven. Whatever may have been the Colonel's intentions when he caught me in his compartment, something, and I think my last words, led him to modify them. He felt probably that if he attacked me, I might retaliate unpleasantly. I ought to be able to hold my own with him although in truth i was not over-happy at the course events had taken and i could not compliment myself on my good management i had not been over-prudent i had pressed my attentions on him rather abruptly although i had the excuse that i usually found them well received thanks to my affable address again i had behaved most incautiously in penetrating his identity and worse than all i had still no certainty i could only surmise that the lady was the one i was in search of for i had not as yet clapped eyes on her and i had been to some extent driven to show my hand before i had made my ground good so the first thing i did on regaining my own compartment was to ring for jules the conductor and put before him the photographs with which i was provided and ask him if he recognized it but perfectly it is the lady yonder he said promptly is it your own or did you find it or annex it from next door ah your own and what have you to do with her i may tell you some day jules for the present you must know that i am after her i have to watch her stick to her like her shadow until it is time to act an adventurous eh she is in possession of what does not belong to her something she abstracted from from never mind where and it must be recovered from her here or after she leaves the car afterward please we can't have any scandal on board here five hundred francs wouldn't tempt you to let me have a free hand for just half an hour i could do it say somewhere short of basel and on reaching there make off no one should be any the wiser and they the women wouldn't dare to make a fuss it's i who do not dare not for twice five hundred francs my place is worth more than that and if it is a dog's life it is better than lying on the straw besides there's her friend the colonel he'll be on the alert you may depend so must i be and i must find some way to circumvent him i'll be even with him he shan't beat me the overbearing hectoring brute it's between him and me and i think i'm a match for him i spoke this confidently to my friend who engaged for his part to do all in his power to assist or at least do nothing against me and i was content to bide my time pride goes before a fool i was not as clever as i thought and shall have to tell you how seriously i had underrated his worth in the coming trial of strength as the train sped on and the night began to close in on us i remained quietly in my berth pondering over my position and in considering the course i should adopt under various contingencies the first and most serious danger was that the lady should succeed in leaving the train at any of the intermediate stations at basel and so give me the slip there were leon rheims charmont and the rest it must be my business to keep close watch against any evasion of this kind and jules had promised to help i did not look for any such attempt until far into the night when the stations were empty and half dark and i agreed with jules to divide the hours until daylight he taking the first i the last we were due at basel at five a m and i expected to join forces then with teller my colleague coming from the side of ostend via brussels and strasbourg 
meanwhile i kept quiet and made no sign beyond showing that i was there and thus on the spot ready to act if it should be necessary thus when the train slackened speed on approaching the station i was always on the move and the first to descend and patrol the platform the colonel always got out too but he never accosted me indeed he seemed disposed to despise me to ignore my existence or dare me to the worst i could do i suppose the lady must have been of the same mind for when dinner-time arrived she came boldly out of her compartment and i met her face to face for the first time on her way to the restaurant i was standing at the door of my compartment dinner is ready the colonel said to me significantly but i did not choose to understand and shook my head holding my ground you are coming to dinner i think he repeated in a sharp commanding way as if he were talking to his soldiers i shall please myself about that i replied gruffly not a bit of it one moment he whispered to the lady who walked on and turned again to me now see here my friend i do not mean to leave you behind you will come to the dining-car with us and no two ways about it even if i have to carry you i won't dine with you i cried i never asked you to dine with me but you shall dine when i do i will pay for your dinner but i wouldn't sit at a table with you for words he shouted with scornful laughter you're going to dine under my eye that's all even though the sight of you is enough to make one sick so come along sharp's the word see walk first let him pass you mrs blair i felt i had no choice he was capable of again assaulting me there was something in his manner that cowed me and i was obliged in spite of myself to give way there were only three of us in the dining-car and we were not a very merry company our tables were laid almost adjoining and there was no conversation between us except when the colonel asked me with contemptuous civility what wine i preferred he did not talk to the lady or the merest commonplaces for i was within earshot but i made an excellent dinner i must confess i had eaten nothing since amiens then i got back to my berth where the bed was made up i threw myself on to it rejoiced at the prospect of getting a few hours sleep while jules remained on the watch he was to call me a little before reaching basel and like an ass that i was i fully relied on his doing so believing him to be my friend such friendship as his did not bear any great strain as i learnt presently to my great chagrin I slept heavily, but in fitful snatches, as a man does when constantly disturbed by the whir and whizzing of the train, the rattle and jangle of wheels passing over ill-joined points. After one of the longest periods of unconsciousness, I awoke, aroused by the complete absence of noise. The train was at a standstill in some station and making a very protracted halt. Something moved me to lift the blind and look out, and I saw, not without uneasiness, that we were at Basel i thought i recognised the station but i soon made out for certain the name basilay basil and saw the clock with the fingers at five-thirty people were already on the move work-people the thrifty industrious swiss forestalling time travellers in twos and threes arriving and departing by the early train through this great junction on the frontier of switzerland stay what who are those crossing the platform hurriedly great powers right under my eyes a little party of four two females two men accompanying them escorting them carrying rugs and parcels there could not be a shadow of doubt 
It was the lady, the so-called Mrs. Blair, in full flight with all her belongings, and under the care and guidance not only of the colonel, that of course, but also of the perfidious Jules Lechelle. He had sold me. All doubt of his treachery disappeared when, on rushing to the door, I found I had been locked into my compartment. I rang the electric bell frantically again and again. I got no answer. I threw up the window and thrust my head out, shouting for help, but got none. Only one or two sluggish porters came up and asked what was amiss, answering stolidly when they heard that it was none of their business. They had no key. It must be a mistake. The conductor would explain. I must wait till he came. Presently Jules arrived, walking very leisurely from the direction of the restaurant, and he stood right under my window with a grin on his face and mockery in his voice. "'What's wrong? Locked in? Can't be possible. Who could have done it? I will inquire.' he said slowly and imperturbably. "'No, no, let me out first. You can do it if you choose. I believe it was your trickery from the first. I must get out, I tell you, or they will escape me,' I cried. "'Not unlikely. I may say it is pretty certain they will. That was the Colonel's idea. You'd better talk to him about it next time you see him.' "'And that will never be, I expect. He's not going to show up here again.' "'There you're wrong.' he will be back before the train starts you may rely on that and you'll be able to talk to him we'll let you out then he was laughing at me traitor that he was here he comes we're just going on now i saw my last chance of successfully performing my mission disappearing beyond recall i renewed my shouts and protests but was only laughed at for my pains the railway officials at Basel might have interfered, but Jules answered for me, declaring with a significant gesture that I was in drink and that he would see to me. I quite despaired. Already the train was moving out of the station, when to my intense joy I caught sight of Ludovic Tiller, who came down the platform running alongside us and crying, Falfani, Falfani, as he recognised me. "'Don't mind me,' I shouted to him. "'I must go on. I can't help myself.' "'It's for you to take it up now. She's in the restaurant. You'll easily know her, in a long ulster, with her maid and the child. You can't miss her. By the Lord, she is standing at the door. Get away with you. Don't let her see you talking with me. She must not know we are acting in common, and I do hope she hasn't noticed. Be off, I tell you. Only let me hear of you. Wire to Lucerne what you're doing. Address telegraph office. Send me a second message at Gorshinen. I shall get one or both. Say where I may answer, and where I can join you. CHAPTER Eight. The timely appearance of my colleague Ludovic Tiller consoled me a little for the loss of the lady and her lot. I had failed, myself, but I hoped that with my lead he would get on to the scent and keep to it. Ere long, on the first intimation from him I might come into the game again, I should be guided by his wire if I got it. For the moment I was most concerned to find out whether Tiller's intervention and my short talk with him had been noticed by the other side. If the Colonel knew that another man was on his friend's track, he would surely have left the train at once so as to go to her assistance. But he was still in the train. I could hear him plainly speaking to Jules in the next compartment. Again, as we sped on, I reasoned favourably from their leaving me as I was, still under lock and key. No one came near me until after we had passed Olten Station, the first stopping-place after Basel, where I could alight and retrace my steps. By holding on to me I guessed that I was still thought to be the chief danger, 
and that they had no suspicion of Tillis's existence. I laughed in my sleeve, but not the less did I rage and storm when Jules Lachelle came with the colonel to release me. "'You shall pay for this!' I cried hotly. "'As for you, Lachelle, it shall cost you your place, and I'll take the law of you, Colonel Ansley. I'll get damages, and you shall answer for your illegal action.' Fui retorted the colonel. "'The mischief you can do is nothing to what you might have done.' "'We can stand the racket. I've bested you for the present. That's the chief thing, anyway. You can't persecute the poor lady any more.' "'Poor lady! Do you know who she is, or was, anyway?' "'Of course I do,' he answered, bold as brass. "'Did she let on? Told you herself. My word, she's got a nerve. I wonder she'd own to it after all she's done. "'Silence!' he shouted in a great taking. "'If you dare to utter a single word against that lady, I'll break every bone in your body. I'm saying nothing. It's not me, it's all the world. It was in the papers, you must have read them. The most awful story. Such, such depravity there never was. Such treachery, such gross misconduct.' He caught me by the arm so violently and looked so fierce that for a moment I was quite alarmed. "'Drop it, I tell you. Leave the lady alone. Both by word and deed. You'll never find her again. I've seen to that. She has escaped you.' "'Aha! You think so. Don't be too cocksure. We understand our business better than that. We don't go into it single-handed. You've collared me for a bit, but I'm not the only one in the show.' "'The only one that counts,' he said, sneering. "'Am I?' I answered in the same tone. What if I had a pal waiting for me at Basel, who received my instructions there, just when you thought you had me safe, and has now taken up the running? He was perfectly staggered at this, I could see plainly. I thought at first he would have struck me. He was so much upset. "'You infernal villain!' he shouted. "'I believe the whole thing is a confounded lie. Explain.' "'I owe you no explanations,' I replied stiffly. My duty is to my employers. I only account to them for my conduct. I am a confidential agent. He seemed impressed by this, for when he spoke again it was more quietly, but he looked me very straight in the eyes. I felt that he was still likely to give trouble. Well, I suppose I cannot expect you to tell me things. You must go your own way, and I shall go mine. I should advise you to leave it, Colonel, I said civilly enough. I am always anxious to conciliate and avoid unpleasantness. Give up the whole business. You will only burn your fingers. Ha! How so? The law is altogether against you. It is a nasty job. Better not to be mixed up in. Have you any idea what that woman, that lady, I corrected myself, for his eyes flashed, has done? Nothing really wrong. He was warming up into a new burst of passion. "'Tell that to the courts and to the judge when you are prosecuted for contempt "'and charged as an accessory after the fact. "'How would you like that? It will take the starch out of you.' "'Rot. The law can't do us much harm. "'The only person who might make it disagreeable is Lord Blackadder, "'and I snap my fingers at him.' "'The Earl of Blackadder? Are you mad? "'He is a great personage, a rich and powerful nobleman. "'You cannot afford to fight him. He will be too strong for you.' 
he has been made the victim of an abominable outrage and will spare no effort no means no money to recover his own lord blackadder is a cad a cruel cowardly ruffian i know all about him and what has happened it would give me the greatest pleasure to kick him down the street failing that i shall do my best to upset and spoil his schemes and so you know i smiled contemptuously a mere colonel against an earl what sort of a chance have you it's too absurd we shall see those laugh longest who laugh last by this time our talk was done for we were approaching lucerne and i began to think over my next plans all must depend on what i heard there upon what news if any came from ludovic tiller so on my arrival i made my way straight to the telegraph office in the corner of the great station and on showing my card an envelope was handed to me it was from tiller at basel and ran as follows they have booked through by seven thirty a m via brienne lausanne to brieg and i suppose the simplon i shall accompany can you join me at either end brieg or domo dossola the sooner the better wire me from all places along the route giving your movements address me in my train number seventy the news pointed pretty clearly to the passage of the alps and descent into italy by another route than the st gothard i had my bradshaw in my bag and proceeded at once to verify the itinerary by the time-table while i drank my early coffee in the restaurant upon the station platform i was most anxious to join hands with tiller and quickly turned over the leaves of my railway guide to see if it was possible and how it might best be arranged my first idea was to retrace my steps to basel and follow him by the same road but i soon found that the trains would not fit in the very least he would be travelling by the one fast train in the day which was due at brieg at four o'clock in the afternoon my first chance if i caught the very next train back from lucerne would only get me to brieg by the eleven o'clock the following morning it was not good enough and i dismissed the idea forthwith then i remembered that by getting off the st gothard railway at goschenen i should strike the old furka diligence route by the devil's bridge hospenthal and the rhone glacier a drive of fifty miles more or less but at least it would get me to brieg by that same night by ten or eleven o'clock before adopting this line i had to consider that there was a risk of missing tiller and his quarry that is to say of being too late for them for the lady might decide to push on directly she reached brieg taking a special carriage extra post as far as the simplon at least even into domo dossola she was presumably in such a hurry that the night journey would hardly deter her from driving over the pass tiller would certainly follow by the time i reached brieg they would be halfway across the alps and i must take the same road making the stern chase proverbially the longest i turned my attention therefore to the italian end of the carriage road and to seeing how and when i could reach domo dossola the alternative suggestion made by tiller there would be no difficulty as to that and i found i could be there in good time the same evening i worked it out on the tables and it looked easy enough leave lucerne by the st gothard railway pass goschenen and go through the tunnel down the italian side as far as bellizona thence a branch line would take me to locarno and into touch with the steamboat service on lake maggiore there was a fixed connection according to the tables and i should land at palanza within a short hour's drive of the line to domo dossola i could be established there by nightfall and would command the situation every carriage that came down the simplon must come under my eye 
there could be no doubt that the belizona locorano lake line was the preferable one and i finally decided in favour of it i closed my bradshaw with a bang replaced it in my bag drank up my coffee and started for the telegraph office i meant to advise tiller of my plans and at the same time arrange with him to look out for me just outside the terminus station at domodossola or to communicate with me there at the hotel de la poste on coming out i ran up against the last person i wished to see it was the colonel who greeted me with a loud laugh and gave me a slap on the back hello my wily detective he said mockingly settled it all quite to your satisfaction done with bradshaw sent off your wires well what's the next move i decline to hold any conversation with you i began severely i beg you will not intrude upon my privacy i do not desire your acquaintance hoity toity he cried on your high horse eh aren't you afraid you may fall off or get knocked off and he raised his hand with an ugly gesture we are not alone now in a railway carriage there are police about and the swiss police do not approve of brawling i replied with all the dignity i could assume come falfani tell me what you mean to do now he went on in the same tone your questions are an impertinence i do not know you i do not choose to know you and i beg you will leave me alone don't think of it my fine fellow i am not going to leave you alone you may make up your mind to that where you go i go what you do i shall do we are inseparable you and i as much united as the siamese twins so i tell you but it is monstrous it is not to be tolerated i shall appeal for protection to the authorities do so my friend do so see which will get the best of that i don't want to swagger but at any rate all the world knows pretty well who i am but what shall you call yourself mr falfani i have my credentials from my employers i have letters testimonials recommendations from the best people including the earl of blackadder i presume i admit your great advantages well try it you may get the best of it in the long run but you'll lose a good deal of time i'm not in a hurry he said with emphasis and promptly recalled me to my senses for i realized that i could not fight him in that way it must be by stratagem or evasion i must throw dust in his eyes put him off the scent mislead befool elude him somehow how was i to shake him off now i saw he was determined to stick to me he had said it in so many words he would not let me out of his sight wherever i went he was coming too the time was drawing on for the departure of the st gothard express at nine eight a m and as yet i had no ticket i had booked at amiens as far as lucerne only leaving further plans as events might fall out now i desired to go on but did not see how i was to take a fresh ticket without learning my destination he would be certain to be within earshot when i went up to the window i was beginning to despair when i saw cook's man who was as usual hovering about to assist travellers in trouble and i beckoned him to approach see that gentleman i nodded towards the colonel he wants you do your best for him and when the tourist agent proceeded on his mission to be accosted i fear rather unceremoniously i slipped off and hid out of sight i felt sure i was unobserved as i took my place in the crowd at the ticket window but when i had asked and paid for my place to locarno 
i heard to my disgust someone else applying for a ticket to exactly the same place and in a voice that was strangely familiar on looking round i saw jules l'echelle the sleeping-car conductor but out of uniform and with an amused grin on his face it seems that we are still to be fellow-travellers he observed casually what is taking you to lake maggior how about your service on the car i asked suspiciously i have business at locarno and have got a few days leave to attend to it i felt he was lying to me he had been bought i was sure his business was the colonel's who had set him to assist in watching me i had two enemies then to encounter and i realized with some misgiving that the colonel was not a man to be despised End of section four.